again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. amen. And that is what God will do for you today in the name of Jesus. Amen. As you have spoken in his ears, so he will do unto you. Amen. Say amen if you want it. Amen. I said as you have spoken in his ears, so he will do unto you. Amen. The Lord will heal you in every area. Amen. The entrance of the word will heal you in every area. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Alright, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. This is what salvation is. I've been speaking about that for quite a while. And I want us to open our Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 1 today to start. The book of Philippians chapter 1. There was something I said the other time, which I would like to just explain again. And that is the fact that many times when we are having, you know, arguments, Jesus says something. They came to him and said that a young uh, there was a woman who was married. Now, these are Sadducees. You must understand that the Sadducees did not believe in supernatural things. Sometimes when I look at Judaism, I laugh sometimes. The Sadducees did not believe in angels. They did not believe in um, the resurrection. They did not believe in any life after now, everything. And then they said they were Jews, which I found very, very strange because how did Moses get the, <laughs> the commandments? What made you a Jew? What's special about you people? If, there are, if those extra spiritual things don't exist. So these Sadducees came to Jesus Christ and said that there was a woman who married a man and the man died and she had how many brothers? Was it seven? Or there were six brothers, seven in all, whatever. Anyway, quite a large family. And according to their custom, if one person, if a man dies without having offspring, his brother will marry his wife and then have offspring in his brother's name. You understand? That's the idea about it. It's not just about the marriage. The offspring, the first son you will have, will bear your late brother's name. Do you understand the concept? Now, so this man, uh, the, all the family, I don't know what's wrong with them. They were just dying one after the other without um, having any offspring. Because the last one, then the woman died. So the Pharisees said, or the Sadducees, that in the resurrection, if indeed there is a resurrection of these brothers, whose wife will she be? Now, I don't want to discuss that in detail, but why, I just like to give people a background and then to help people know more scripture in case they were not very aware of those things. Now, is the answer Jesus gave that we're talking about. Jesus said, this is a mistake you are making. You do not understand the scriptures and you do not understand the power of God. So, when you start arguing sometimes, there are some fundamental things that you're not getting. That's what I'm going to explain. He said, if you understood that marriage is not an issue, no, in heaven, in the resurrection, marriage will not be an issue. So that premise, all right, the premise of that argument has been knocked out. We have carpeted it, like we say, entirely, because nobody is going to marry anybody. The man, all the men, and that woman will all be, in quotes, children of God. So that argument disappears. And many times in life, that's what happens. People get the premise wrongly. Now, why am I talking about it? We're talking about salvation. Sometimes people don't know the aim of salvation. The aim of salvation is not to get you to heaven. So that's why some of the arguments we argue, it's redundant. I mean, it's unnecessary. People will sit down and say, hey, can you lose your salvation? And I, I wonder, look, why did we enter into salvation? If you know it, we won't have the time to be arguing under what circumstances will you lose it. 
Like I said the other time, whether you have lost your salvation or not, if you're not improving in righteousness, in the qualities of godliness, you are useless to God. We are not here to be arguing on whether your salvation is still intact or not. Saved or not saved, you are a useless child to him. Pardon me for using those so strong words, because that's what the scripture tells us very clearly. You will become a vessel unto dishonor. A saved vessel unto dishonor. Do you follow my point? So, you want to be arguing, your salvation is intact. Who has time for that argument? The issue is that you on this earth, one day you are going to face the judgment throne of Christ. And you will give account. People don't seem to read that for the things you did in the flesh. Are you going to stand before him and say, I was saved throughout? He will say, what about the work I gave you to do? Don't you read the parables of Jesus? Don't you realize there's something in those parables? He will tell you, a nobleman went out to go and receive a kingdom and return, and he took ten tal- um, minas and gave to ten of his servants, and he said, do business with this until I come back. And each one came and reported to him when he returned the kind of business they had done. And one said, I didn't do anything, and he sent that one into punishment. Do you want to be in that situation and be arguing with the Lord? I'm still saved, I'm still saved, don't punish me. I hope you are getting my argument. People sit down and argue on irrelevant things. You've been admitted to the university. They say, okay, you have five years to study to become, study to become a lawyer or an engineer or something like that. And you are there arguing that, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? If I, if I be this lecturer, uh, will I still remain a law student? I won't be remain. Do you understand? Are you getting my point? The question that you ask the fellow, would that help you pass your exam? How would I improve your chances of graduating on time? How would I increase your ability to become a good lawyer? Should that not be our argument? Like I said, you know, one of the reasons why I get into this discussion is because I'm a preacher. If I was not a preacher, there are things I won't be talking about. If you say, if I like, I take my neighbor's wife, I shoot her uncle. I don't know why I said her uncle, but I mean... Then I kidnap some people for money. I'm still saved. I won't talk to you. I only pray for you that police will catch you. So you stop embarrassing the rest of us. Christian kidnapper. I will not argue with you. I won't try to prove it to you because like I say all the time, you, are, you and I are not facing the same direction. There are times I've cut off some relationships. And my wife said, listen, why are you no more patient? I said, don't you understand? Me and this fellow, we are not going in the same direction. We may both claim to be Christians, but it's clear he has demonstrated to you that what matters to us is not what matters to him. And I'm sorry to say, at a certain time, I don't have time to be following you up. You can't, I mean, I've known you to be a believer for more than 10 years. I'll still be encouraging you. Do you smoke something? Those who gave their lives to Christ last year, what time do I have for them? I'm sorry, please, if I'm wrong in this, the Lord will help me you know, get it right. I locate you after a while, that's how I behave, and decide that you and I are not facing the same direction, so there's no need wasting my time. Iron sharpens iron, not iron sharpens wood. Do you get my point? 
Two cannot work together, except they are agreed. Sometimes you read in the scriptures, sometimes they, they will surprise you. you know, when I was young, till, until now, I won't say I fully understand it. Those five virgins that refuse to share their oil. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Ha, I will not, brethren. You know, as a young man, I couldn't get it. You have extra oil. No, you have, yes, so extra supply. Now I'm in need. You won't give me. And Jesus made it clear that they were right. A time comes when, Lord, you shed it. Do you know the people I dragged to Bible study? And my children. Any other adult? As I informed you once, twice. I, at all. I informed you once, twice. I, don't, I, won't, I won't bother my head. I just feel like after a while, you should know what you are looking for in life. And I have a particular principle there. Once I, 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 I locate people. In fact, that's one thing my wife says that. Because she behaves slightly differently. She will be harassing adults. You need to hear the word of God to change you. I say, come on, let's go. If somebody is hungry, he knows where to find food. <laughs> this one, they have to pursue an adult that you are hungry. I don't get it. <laughs> no, that, that's my attitude. So she, and, and then, like I say to people, that if my wife doesn't like you, you will know. She will let you know on time. I'm the kind of person that I won't like you, will never find out. You mean you are, no, 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 no. The way she behaves, I hope maybe she's changing, I don't know, but the way she behaves is this. She doesn't like you, she can't relate with you. And if she feels that there's something that she doesn't like and she wants to relate with you, she would like to iron it out. I'm slightly different. I'll just feel like this guy is not trustworthy with money as an example. Okay? So I would define our relationship and exclude money in every category. We'll be friends, though. So my wife will be wondering, ah, you're still laughing with this guy. I say, why not? Laughter is free. <laughs> because she's the one. She feels like, no, if you are my friend, I should be able to deal with you concerning money. I say, sweetheart, no, no. What I do, I just locate you that, listen, in this area, leave this. So we'll relate in the issue of uh, uh, maybe office, you know, we discuss politics. I don't watch football as an example. We watch football. You understand? We we'll do the stuff like that together. But anytime you bring up a business idea, I just will not be able to discuss with you. You won't know why. You won't inside my mind and say, Uli, you are looking for who to steal from. Now, it's not as if I would never tell you. I would have told you early. Do you understand my point? I would have told you early. I would have tried to see whether you... But when I, after a while... I locate that this man is not planning to change. I just leave you alone. I just feel like there's what they call in football, embarrassing the referee. I don't want to embarrass you. Live your life. You're an adult. So when someone starts arguing with me, if you start, like if you sit down and start arguing, once always once you start like that, I just feel like what is important to me is not important to you. That's why I'm going to all of that. So I will not quarrel with you anymore. If I wasn't a preacher, I would just... I'll just slice you off. We'll relate everywhere else. But in my mind, I'll just, I'll, I'll just say to myself, we are praying that the power of Christ will be revealed mightily on the earth. I hope you're getting my point. We are p- praying that the resurrection power of Jesus Christ will become tangibly, tangibly manifested in the midst of us. We are praying that we'll be like those 
early apostles and Jesus Christ himself, we are praying that the stories we heard of some great men of God in days gone past will become normal again with us. And we know that we have to cleanse ourselves of all defilement of flesh and spirit and perfect holiness in the fear of God if these things are going to happen. I hope you're getting my point. We know that except we cleanse ourselves of all this defilement, we will not be vessels unto honor. We know all of these things and we are fighting on those areas. Then I will not come and meet somebody who says that even if I take my neighbor's wife, have six girlfriends, you understand, smoke hibo, shoot people, steal money, I'm still saved. What are we discussing here? We don't have any, we have no basis of relationship. Even if you are right, it's not going to help me in any way. Even if you are right, I feel like we have greater things to settle. I don't have time for those mundane things. So if I wasn't a preacher, I wouldn't be discussing it. I'll just say, look, brother, saved and saved. Please, I like one wife. You go and marry two. You will still be saved. Leave it. Brother, saved and saved. You go and steal, shoot people, and come back and tell me you are still saved. That's your problem. But I want to represent Jesus properly. Yesterday, I was talking to somebody who came to you know, give my wife some stuff, and um, he's, they sell books, and he was discussing. <laughs> hey, we're talking corruption. No, you call corruption. You know, when you hear stories of corruption in Nigeria, you know, of course, it's not new. You just know, you know, there's one song we used to sing when we were young. I don't know how many of you remember it. Only Jesus can save, hallelujah. Only Jesus can save, hallelujah. Baba Lawo cannot save. Remember the song? When you hear stories of corruption, you start singing, Only Jesus can save Nigeria. Only Jesus can save Nigeria. EFCC cannot save. ICPC cannot save. Hallelujah. Buhari cannot save. Nobody can save this country. Hallelujah. Only Jesus can. You're not singing with me. Oh. Because when this guy told story, you know, you are used to corruption. There are some certain kinds of corruption you will hear. You just like, ah, is it necessary? You know, there's corruption you can understand. I'm not saying it's good, just that you can understand. But some corruptions, is it necessary? Is it necessary? You see a bank manager, a bank manager, a manager of a bank. They want to build a covert over the gutter in front of their bank. And he meets the man, a manager. No, some people have to, God has to send some people, even if it's for three minutes to a hellfire, just go and roast small. Then you come back and learn righteousness. What do they call greed again? My friend was building a house nearby. So he called him, please, can you help us do cover it here? The guy in his mind, ah, small money, let's quickly make small money. The manager called him aside and I said, you will put something for me. So the guy said, I'm not interested again. Databa. Some things are not, you know, it's all for, for him, like, have, uh, no, I wanted to make money, but this is not necessary. He refused to do the job. I told the man flat, sorry, I'm not interested, leave it. Go and do it yourself. The man, when he told me, I couldn't believe it. Unnecessary corruption. The one that, I could tell you all kinds of stories, but you will say it will waste our time. 
The one this man that was said, what you say with it was yesterday or the day before, told me that just knocked me out. He, okay, they sell books, school books. We're just talking about marketing and everything. And he explained that some of these things, my wife was trying to say, look, how do I pay you and stuff like that? He said that there are people they give some kind of credit to. He said, but let him be honest, so they have to raise the price. I said, why would you raise the price? He said, they are buying plenty now. He said, I know. He said, because you have to pay the school principal to include your book in the list the students will buy. That's bad, right? That's not the issue. <laughs> he now laughed. He said, there is a school that his company had to pay like 10 million naira. He said, the school spread nationwide. As long as he said it, and he said, I said it's not a government school, of course, for you to be talking about it. I said, it must be a mission school. He licked his mouth, he didn't say anything. I said, it's a mission school. He said, but I wanted the name of the mission. I said, don't tell me, because I don't want my conscience disturbed. I said, mission school. He said, yes. That for them to agree to put their books in the list, that they pay 10 million naira, that your guys will share. Which, of course, they are not idiots. They add it to the cost. Therefore, you are defrauding your pupils. You are defrauding your students, uh, your, your parents. When he told me that one, I, he said, you know, that was, for me, that was a new one, that is mission. And one of our brothers here told me something one day. He said, how will they handle this? I said, how? He said, he goes to a particular church. He does work for the church, you understand? That the pastor... We call him and say, ah, ah. Emeka is not in Emeka. I'm just using Emeka. Emeka, I've not been seeing you. Like, okay, I've been coming to church now. I don't understand. I've been coming now. I come every Saturday. Uh, sorry. Every Sunday. As many midweek services, Wednesday. I'm there every Wednesday. Pastor will still say, huh. Emeka, I've not been seeing you. Ah. So one day, finally, <laughs> like, oh, God, please. I don't get it. All these jobs he's doing. Where's his own court? So the guy ran down to come and see me. He said, sir, please, I'm a bit confused. You know, like, this is my pastor. Ah. First, I give them low price because it's a church. I don't make money on it the way I make outside. I scrape everything down. Pastor is now asking me where is his portion. I burst into laughter. I say, ah, we old men, look at the way we are wounding these consciences of young people. If that man didn't have somebody like me to talk to, after a while he would become hardened. There is no way he wants to go that he would not participate in corruption. Because if a pastor can do it, why shouldn't a politician do it? Why should not a local government chairman do it? Now you see where I'm going. So I told the man that day, I said, this is why we need to preach Christ. And that's why I'm going with all the stories. The only hope is what? Christ. The preaching and the practice of the life of Christ is the only hope. You've heard me say many times, 1,000 Buharis as head of state with 10 tenures cannot change the country. The other day, he, he, I saw in the news, a guy head of state was campaigning for a man who has you know, EFCC Wahala accused his man is running for election. I said, Why will you? I said, you don't understand. One day, Eli, you know who they call Eli in the Bible? Or Eli, I think the proper name is Eli. Eli in the Bible, the father of Hophni and Phinehas. Remember them? The man of God came and said, this is what God will do to your house. This is a sign. One day, 
your two sons will die. So the normal thing you expect is that, like David, you get on your knees. You will have mercy. You know, Moses. Moses said, I, Jacob said, I will not leave you unless you, unless you bless me. Moses said that you must go with us. Your presence. No, 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 no. If you won't go with us, we're not living here. Eli looked and said, it is the Lord. Let him do that which is pleasing in his sight. You know, I used to think, what foolishness. Shouldn't Eli have prayed and begged God? When I became an older person, I realized why he did not. He was tired. As I talked with a friend of mine, he lives abroad, so he said he needed advice. He said he has a particular business. There's a woman that runs, helps him keep an eye on it. That she's terminally ill, she's dying. So I said, ah, what's wrong with her? He told me. I said, ah, it's treatable. Now that's America, for goodness sake. They should be able to treat. It's a form of cancer, all right? I said, no, they should be able to treat. Now give her many more years of life, you know, treatment. He said, the woman said she's not taking treatment. I said, talk to her. You know, he's a doctor. I said, talk to her now. You'll be able to explain. He said, she's tired. I said, what do you mean she's tired? He said, it's her third cancer. She's had the first one she's been treated. Had another one she's been treated. The third one, she just said to him straight, I'm tired. If I'm going to die, let me die. That's what happened to Eli. Eli was weakened. So now when you say our head of state, carry flag for a man who's on trial for stealing money. Please, have mercy on him. He's tired. The, 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 you know they call tired? He's not the one carrying the flag. It's his hand. There's a kind of corruption you will see. You'll be weak. If you remember, what's the name of this presidential man on uh, advisor on uh, anti-corruption? Yeah? What, what name did you mention? I can't hear you. Anyway, you know the is is Sagi? Yes, the professor of law. A few years ago, they said president is not. You no, know, do we do arrest these people? Arrest, you know, go to court on stretcher, all those kind of things. Bring four hundred million back. Bring one billion back. He said the president is not yet fighting corruption. That is clearing the road so he can see that the fight has not begun. So the ones in front, the bush close to him, is what they are still clearing. Let me say something to you. It will sound like. A, pro, a doom, doom, doom prophecy, but actually is the word of God. But I'll give you the good prophecy in it. It can't change by itself. A thousand Buharis in power can't change it. No matter how sincere they are, they can't change it. It's a spiritual thing. After a while, it will overwhelm whoever is there. The arm of flesh cannot prevail against that one. Jesus will look, say, this one does not go out but by prayer and fasting. There's a reason why he says things like that. I hope you're getting what I'm saying here. Is there hope? Yes. What is the hope? Christ. Is there hope? Yes. What is the hope? Christ. Christ is the hope. Christ is the hope. Christ is the hope. Christ is the ten righteous that you find and you don't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Christ is the hope. The ten righteous you will find and say, let Sodom and Gomorrah stay. Hoping that the ten will expand to become a hundred. 
And the hundred will expand to become a thousand. And the thousand will expand to become a hundred thousand. And the hundred thousand will keep on expanding until righteousness becomes the order of the day and judgment is permanently suspended. Christ is that hope. Christ is that ten. You know where I began from? That is why I don't have time with people who are arguing with me on if I fall, fall, fall into sin. I keep on falling into sin. Will I still go to heaven? I said, did God send us to go to heaven? He didn't send us to this earth to go to heaven. He sent us to this earth to be purified. To be changed until we are not the ones infecting, can I borrow that word? Infecting the environment with goodness. Infecting the environment with righteousness. Infecting everything around until the land has been redeemed. That's what we're saying to do. That's why I don't have time. Honestly, if I wasn't a preacher, you know, I say another thing about it that you're able to discussing witches and wizards. If I wasn't a preacher, you won't hear from my mouth. Sometimes when I'm listening to our messages, maybe we're doing editing and I hear discussion on witch, I'll be so embarrassed. I just imagine people who have things they are doing listening to me. You're like, ah, which kind of babala practice is this man preaching about? But as a preacher, you have to say to help people. Because find people outside, they are afraid of witches. So there are things you hear from my mouth, honestly. It's only because of the job I am doing as a preacher. Were it not for that, you won't hear me discuss such things. You wouldn't hear it from my mouth. Please, God has called us for perfection. God has called us for something. Don't tell me that, what if I'm not going in the direction God says I should go? Am I still okay? Why should I be discussing that with you? If you have enough brains to have that discussion, you should switch the use of your brain and let's move in another direction. Do you get my point? I mean, if you are, if you are alive, alive enough to be concerned about spiritual things, why should I be discussing that with you? Why shouldn't we focus on how do we perfect holiness? Do you realize that every act of sin empowers the devil in your life? Did you hear what I said? Everything we do, especially when it comes to temptation, is either empowering God in our lives or is empowering the devil. If I lie, I empower the devil. Anytime I disobey the instructions of God, Satan is empowered. That's what, that's what we are saying. We're not talking about you see saved. No, we are saying that it will get to a time when they look at the congregation around you, spiritually speaking, it's 99% demons. And you don't know where they came from. It's from disobedience. It's from disobedience. You have argued about your salvation being intact, but your life is filled. And listen to this. Don't, you can't even argue this, that you'll be walking in sin and you will not have satanic attachment, that is demonic attachment. It's not possible. Jesus made it clear. The prince of this world is coming. He has nothing in me. There are Christians walking around the prince of the world. Ah, what is it? Everything in him is our own. His prosperity, we gave it to him. He didn't come to the shrine. Don't worry about it. Check one business he did. He didn't cheat somebody. Ah, he didn't come to the shrine. But he built ten houses. Check one he built and he did not cheat in it. Check. Again, let's say these things because sometimes you want to assume people know them, but they don't always know them. 
You can't give an offering to wash away those sins. You can't. You can't. You know, one day somebody told me something that, ah, I had to pray to God so that he will free me from that um, 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 promise I made to him. Now, this is the thing about it. And I said, listen, don't worry, God was not going to eat your food. You understand? He was not going to drink your water. But if you made a promise and you not change your mind about it, you must understand something. There was a blessing attached to that inter- uh, the deliberation or that uh, arrangement. That at this, as the time you are saying, God, I changed my mind. He is also, you are also pushing it away. He's not angry. I don't know whether you are catching what I'm not explaining here. He's not angry with you. But he will not give you the blessing now because you have changed your mind. No, the blessing has all gone with it. And you still be friends. God is like me. In that area, I'm not joking. God is like me. When I say like me now, I'm not saying I'm first. What I'm going to say is that the way I described myself earlier, that's how the Lord is. I'm actually in that area, I'm like God. God compartmentalizes life. He will see that you are going to die tomorrow for, for your sins. Tomorrow. Hmm? And he will come to your house this evening, sit with you, eat with you, and say nothing about it. He will not warn you. You will assume that, ah, somebody will say, my brother, tomorrow you shall die. Say, God was here earlier. If I was going to die, he would have told me. Then the person will now go and meet you and say, listen, dear Lord, you were in his house. You didn't tell him. He said, let me tell you something. There's nothing I have told him he has ever listened to. Say, but you see, you see, go to his house. Yes, now he cracks good jokes. So I go there to laugh. So because I'm laughing, he thinks I'm happy with him. No, his jokes make me laugh. Say, Pastor Bank, are you you serious about that? Yes. It's all over the scriptures. You know my best example? David. A man after God's heart. Who said it? God. Not me. I wasn't the one that said it. Revelation. Inspiration to the prophets and the scribes. They wrote it. A man after God's heart. God told Samuel. That man. A man after my heart. But the first time David was passing. He saw one young woman. God said. Face where you are going. He said. Ah Lord. That girl is fine. God said. Okay. Do you want to marry her? David said. Yes. No problem. He went, arranged, I'm just painting a picture now. They saw the girl's father, gave it to David, gave, uh, gave her to David. Are you happy now? David said, thank you, Lord. You are so good. <laughs> All my life you have been faithful. Hallelujah. He brought her the harp. <laughs> the Lord is good. He sang a song for the Lord. God said, fine. They were going again. David looked again. Ah, God said, what are you looking at? He said, that my wife you gave me is fine. But God, you saved the creator. He said, see this other one. God said, David, you asked me for one last week. I gave you that one. David said, Lord, just another one, please. God said, okay, marry. He just gave him certain boundaries. Don't take anybody's wife. Don't do this, don't do that. But David, David had a harem, like an Arabian king that he was. What he did not know is that each wife he took, God will just take the length of life planned for David. You remove, you cut a small piece. Give the, the woman to use to live in his house. 
Each wife is took, David will have lived to be 120. His years were shortening, 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 shortening. And God said nothing. He even said later, if you had wanted more, I would have given you. It's not everything God said I will give you. You should go and collect it. I know what I'm telling you. The fact that God said he will give it to you doesn't mean you should collect it. And I will prove it to you from the scripture. You know, there's nothing I'm telling you that's not the Bible. How do I know that one? Again, it's in the Bible. God came to Solomon. Ask me for anything. You know the story. Solomon didn't ask for just anything. He asked for wisdom. And God said, because you did not ask for this, this and that. I said, God, why didn't you just tell him, don't ask for those things? God gave him, no, blank sheet, open letter, what do you call it, open check, fill it. <laughs> An average person say, anytime God gives an opportunity, don't let it pass you by. <laughs> Expand your vision, enlarge your coaster, begin to see things they have never seen before. <laughs> if you can see the invisible, you will do the impossible. They will start writing. They will, <laughs> they will be writing. That's it. Vendi for Valentine. Oduma Pige watch for Christmas. They were writing, God, wait, 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 I'm coming, I'm coming. Ah, Lord, this is your check. He's not, he's not, do you have a longer one? Because uh, <laughs> it's open check now. You know the truth? God has said anything you ask me for, I will give to you. As they, are, as they are writing, he's shaking his head. But Lord, make him stop writing. I've already promised him anything. When God says, ask me for anything, he expects you to be wise. He expects you to be wise. Every blessing comes with a responsibility. Every promotion comes with duties. You must understand it. There is nothing even he adds to you doesn't bring a weight into your life. That is why glory, the word that Paul said, the exceeding weight of what? Glory. Paul was writing as a Hebrew. He understood that the Hebrew word for weight and for glory is weight. So Hebrew man wants to say, this is glorious. He will say, this is weighty. So weight kills. So you want to ask God for weight, for things that are weighty. Don't ask for things that are weighty first. Say, Lord, give me the strength. Let me tell you the truth. If God says, ask me for anything, don't ask him for anything more than, Lord, let me walk in a manner that is worthy of you to please in all respects, to be every, in every good work, and to increase the knowledge of God. That's all. So that's all you want. Say, Lord, that's all I want. You know why? Because he has written the scriptures. All other things will be added to that one. Stop worrying yourself. We're asking for material things. If you come to what should I do for you? Say, Lord, give me patience. Let your kingdom be manifested in my life. Let not one jot of your plan for my life go unfulfilled. That's all you want? Say, Lord, that is what I want. Listen, Satan will be telling you, asking for motor car, asking for houses, asking for this. Don't! It's not necessary. God is wise. If you needed that thing, he will bring it when he's supplying the other things. Someone did not ask for anything more than wisdom. And God gave him everything. That's what I mean. That the way God behaves, he will just deal with somebody. He will come to the man's house, play with him, laugh with him, and walk away. Not telling him that your life will be destroyed in less than a week. When we go and ask him, why didn't you tell him? He said, listen, 10 years ago I told him, did he listen? No. I've gotten used to him. He's stubborn. He does not listen. So, I have left him to go his way. But I won't leave him entirely because there is still something good in him. I don't know whether you're getting my point. 
Sometimes God will look and say, wait, wait, I just want his children. Yes. What am I saying of these things? Instead of arguing whether if I rub on the floor, will I be dirty? No, you ask yourself, I'm supposed to go and represent the Lord. Should I look dirty when I'm going there? Shouldn't I be worthy of the person who sent me? Is there not an assignment I've been sent to this world to do? Which I understand from scriptures. That's why I began that. You, it will, listen, God has, whatever God has joined together, you can't put them asunder. For example, eternally he has joined wet with water. Sounds simple, but that's how it is. Wet and water, they go together. As an example, it's not just husband and wife. He has joined certain things together in life. So, if you want to continue walking in your, in the flesh, in the feelings of your flesh, because one of my co, uh, my co-preachers have taught you that you will still get to heaven. That's what I was trying to say. God will say, fine, go ahead. But that feeling of the flesh is denying you of your destiny regularly. The more of you you walk in, the more useless you are to him. After a while, he will look and say, why is he still here collecting manure, wasting the earth? Tell the angels, dig him up. What am I going to say? So let's understand the purpose. What is the purpose of salvation? Last time we explained everything that God has done for us, as much as possible, of course, in what salvation is. But what is he trying to attain? We began that actually two meetings ago. I wanted to continue last time, but the way the spirit went, I just had to cooperate with that, of course. And then I want to, now I believe I'm giving the liberty to continue what we're saying. What is the main thing that he was trying to achieve with salvation? He did not send us to this earth just so that we can come to heaven. If that was the case, the day you give your life to Christ, he will behead you and over there you will go. No, that's not why he sent us. There is something he's trying to achieve. We read it the other time, Romans chapter 8, but I want to bring you, begin today from Philippians chapter what? Chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, let's read that. I, need, I, I would really like to read this in another translation, but let me read my main translation first, and then we'll now go to the particular verse I want. From verse um, 2. Say grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. That is, he will continue to work in you. That's what I was trying to say. The perfection is a process. Remember we said at the beginning, the aim of salvation is what? Perfection. He said, for it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in my, in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness, how I long for you in all the affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, 
having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I should have just read this in New Living Translation because I plan to read that verse 11 in New Living Translation. Let me just back up to 9 and read the three verses. I pray that your love will overflow. That's New Living Translation now. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. Please, I hope you are getting the aim here. He wants us to live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. That was his own goal. He now said it this way. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. That is the emphasis of believers. Did you notice that? He said, what is the fruit of salvation? The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. What is proof that you really have the seed of salvation in you? That's the meaning of fruit. I hope you're getting my point. That is how do we know that seed of salvation is inside you? We start watching outwardly for the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. I was talking about corruption earlier. And I said only Jesus can save. Can you remember? Let me say it again. Only Jesus can save. When I say, when I said I mean that he's the only hope we have as a nation. When I say as a nation, the nation itself, of course, will not come and believe in Christ. And God doesn't expect that. What he's just saying is that I will have spared Sodom and Gomorrah for ten righteous. There's a reason why I stopped at ten. People have said that Abraham should have asked for five. When I look at how the scriptures were written, how those accounts came to be inspired, I said no. He couldn't have asked for five. Actually, maybe he did, but God said no. Also, Chambers will say he stopped at 10 because of the restraining power of the Spirit. But we're all saying the same thing. God would not have accepted five. Maybe he asked for five and God said no. People have said that, okay, he asked for 10 because he felt, look, other one a story. The point is that he had to stop at 10 because he couldn't go below that. Why 10? Because God said this is a critical mass necessary. To redeem the land. Anything less than this, the land cannot be redeemed. I'm saying it again and again. They came to us and said, you are the salt of the earth. What does that mean? If you found, if we had found ten righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, and therefore we have spared the land, those people have been called the salt of Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'm saying, all the iniquity in the land that is polluting the land, which is the reason why you hear of all kinds of atrocities prospering in the land. You hear of banditry. You hear of, because today we fight Boko Haram, fight Boko Haram. Eventually, they, you know, people say that they've not defeated Boko Haram. If you know the kind of army that Boko Haram is, they are difficult to defeat. I'm not trying to stand in for the head of state or the, um, the, the service chiefs. Even America could not, the, the, you know, you know, American military power, they, they usually can't, they can't defeat things like Boko Haram. Because they are not a standing army. They are small, small groups of people causing trouble. And any little trouble they cause will make a lot of news. Do you get my point? Anyway, we fought and fought and fought. Then while we were thinking about that, we started hearing of banditry. Banditry. 
Different from that one. Most of the kidnapping done is for money. Nothing religious about it. You hear it all over the place. Then you turn around and go, go to government, you see trouble. You see all kinds of troubles here and there. You know, the other, it was yesterday. I saw what happened in Lebanon. And I now read the story of how it happened. I said, Kai, that is divine judgment. Somebody has sinned, serious sin, no? No, they call serious sin. There are different kinds of sin. There's a kind of sin. You know that explosion, now I'm digressing, I know. That explosion had about 10 to 15% of the power of the atomic bomb dropped in Hiroshima. That's huge. And Now, why am I talking about it? When I looked at the whole thing, I said, guys, you need to go and pray. Somebody polluted this land. Somebody polluted this land. When I saw the kind of things happening, and let me just quickly leave that one, come back home. I am off, now please, try and get my words properly. Please get it clearly, so don't misquote me. I am more fearful now than before. Now, please, let me explain what I mean by fear. I don't mean fear here, I'm just afraid. What I mean is that I have more respect for consequences now than before. As a little boy, I just assumed, it was a natural assumption, that life would keep on getting better. That if the road is bad today, they will repair it tomorrow. I hope you're getting my point. So, unconsciously, you carry such things into life, and, I just, and you just assume that, don't worry, the country will get better. But after I reasoned about it, I said, no. Now I understand life better than before. I understand scriptures. Now, now listen to what I'm going to say. There are two reasons. Please follow me. There are two reasons I live in the country I live in. Two important reasons. Two reasons why if you give me, offer me a visa to anywhere, I will not go. Because listen, around there's a lot of trouble. There is. United States released a report and warned Nigeria that Islamic State and um, Boko Haram that infiltrating the South. When I read it, it didn't move me specially. Please, pardon me to use the expression, my fear level had reached the Godly level, so it couldn't go higher. <laughs> so that news was not news to me. And then they've said so many things to us in the past which never happened. They told us when Nigeria would break down, that time came, we became closer than before. We even married more, had more children, invested more. <laughs> Nothing bad happened. So it doesn't impress me, okay? So that, that, that doesn't impress me. Now, so I'm just going to say that, look, I know things have been happening and they continue to happen. I'm not saying that I'm not aware. A lot of trouble. There's a lot of trouble. Economic problems are always there. Sometimes when you read them, you almost get scared. It's difficult to scare me anyway in that area because I'm, maybe I'm already expecting them. So naturally speaking, you know, if, if you see the way Nigerian doctors are disappearing all over the world, okay, because people, they can't find jobs and stuff like that. You see opportunities for investment that people can't take for many reasons. Crisis everywhere. This, um, this banditry is said, this banditry matter actually threatened the food security of um, Nigeria. Yes, it's, it's, it threatened the food security. A lot of the people that farm, that the rest of us buy, they can't go to the farms because they're afraid. Let me take a small side trip. I was reading something yesterday, and I found that the country that has a second... Okay, I was watching it on news, actually, documentary. The second largest amount of Aribu land in the world. You know the country it is? Congo. Congo, Kinshasa. 
Now, that's not the gist. The gist is that they are the second most food insecure in the world. Did you hear what I said? No, you didn't hear me well. The country in the world that has the largest, second largest amount of arable land after Brazil. They say it's Congo in Africa. DRC. But at the same time, they are the second most food insecure country. Most of their food is imported. I saw it again. I shook my head. I, I, I keyed it in my brain to remember. I said, these are things when we're talking about curses. The, that thing has a reason. And you know what, what came to my mind? I wish for the opportunity to go there, establish a ministry. If you give me an opportunity to go somewhere now, I want to go there and establish a ministry. I want to start preaching until that land starts producing. I'm not joking. No. That's not a joke. If you don't see people like choose tomorrow, just know that we have transferred them <laughs> to Congo. To God, just go and be doing Bible study. Don't worry. Because if you put the word there enough, it will begin to, the land will produce. Things will start happening. Now, back to what I was trying to say. So, I know a lot of terrible things are happening. And potentially, not talking about fearful, potentially can happen. So, why have I never, now I've had opportunities. No, that's not a, this, that is not an issue. You understand? If I, it's too late now, but now the visa is not towards too late, too. It's the desire that's too late. Okay? Now, why I will not listen to what, there are two reasons. Despite everything that I've described, why I live where I live, why I'm not running anywhere, there are just two reasons. I'll first give you the less important reason, then I'll give you the more important reason. What is the less important reason? There's no safety anywhere. Did you hear what I said? Even though I know all the things that are going on, I have enough sense to know there's nowhere you can run to. Like that song says, oh, cinema, where are you going to run to? If you run to the sea, where do you want to run to? There is no, I am convinced of that beyond any reason. Afterwards, come and tell me the name of one country, and I'll tell you how foolish your suggestion is. Where most people are running to, now, now, I don't know where you're watching this from. Please, not, nothing, I'm not talking about you. One place, if you offer me, I won't even take. The least, the, the, I'd rather go to this Congo we're talking about than go to anywhere in Europe. You can't persuade me to follow you to Europe. I'll go mad. To go and live there, carry my children, go forbid bad thing. I will go crazy. The island, that the Great Britain, I just told myself that when Brexit happened, God wanted to spare them from something. I'm talking about the rest of Europe. I decided, look, when they said Brexit, I looked, I said, God looked and said, I remember your ancestor, your, your grandfather David, <laughs> that kind of thing. So he caught, he caught, he caught. What he will do to the rest of that continent? I don't want to be there. He offered it to me. I'm not even going to go. I'm not joking about it. Though. Why not? For the love of my children. Maybe me personally, I can tolerate it. Live another 50 years. I don't know when the while I will start. But I'll be, I'll feel like a, a bad person to take my kids and go and plant them where I know they will not prosper. Number one reason. The second reason why I live where I live. Remember the first reason? 
is a less important reason. And what is that reason? There's nowhere to run to. There's nothing you would tell me I should run away from that I will not be able to tell you what you are telling me to run away to. For that reason, so when people tell me sometimes there's no working job in Nigeria, I say, listen, you think life is about job alone? You will see other things about life. Just be going. When you want to make decisions in life, be very, very careful. But the second and more important reason is this. I'm on assignment from God. I belong to somebody. I'm a part of his army. And he has deployed me somewhere. Are you getting my point? I've been deployed somewhere. So I can't leave until he says leave. And as a soldier, you must understand something. You are never deployed to where it's comfortable. That's what a lot of people don't realize. Go and listen to our series, The Warrior's Perspective. You know, I've worked in the military before, not as a service person, but as a core member. Okay, I did my NYC, taught mechanized battalion. Then they were in the city. So I've had interaction with soldiers and all of that, okay? <laughs> you know, you talk with them, you know, personally, you re- watch stories, all of that. So I've seen all kinds of strange things. I've seen soldiers that their feet, if I remember that guy, I didn't have as much experience as I have now than as a young doctor, and I did. There was no superior really I could go to. So I couldn't help him as much as I would have helped later. I had more experience later. You see his feet, you don't want to see them. Why? He said in Liberia he could not remove his boots. Somebody will wear boots for days. So you know what happens? The feet will... <laughs> because they are fighting. If you see, I've never seen that type before. The guy brought out his feet, I looked at it. I'm telling the story. He wore boots until his feet became rotten. That's what the soldier's life is. That's why Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, endure hardship as a true soldier of Christ. As a soldier of Christ, life will be hard. There's nothing, let's not stop, let's stop preaching faith as if I just declare it. Just as, <laughs> part of the declaration is, Lord, I receive the ability to endure. Even though there's no food, I will re- we, we receive ability to endure. That's part of the declaration. Soldiers don't change location because it's dangerous. They change when they are instructed. Did you hear what I said? I remember when I was serving that time, it was when the Liberia War had, just, it had been on for some time. All right, I did my NYC in 90, I began end of 92, so I arrived in the barracks in 92. So most of our soldiers were not around. They came back in 93. All right, so they were telling you stories. <laughs> the, the guys said when they arrived in Liberia, remember Bangida sent them there that time. Charles Taylor was, was close to Monrovia. He said, they would tell you, oh boy, we landed under fire. I don't know whether I get the point. As they were landing, bullets were whizzing past. Phew, phew. That they landed running. Nobody ran back into the plane. In fact, that time, Chastillo was angry with Nigeria. They used to, we used to listen to him on BBC that time. When they said they did something, they said, no, it was the Nigerians. They did everything Nigerians. Because he was about to enter Monrovia when these guys arrived. They were the ones that beat him back. Now, what I'm telling the story was what those soldiers told us that they arrived in Monrovia under fire, but they couldn't leave. As you are dropping from the back of the plane like this, you carry your distance, you are running on the ground. The old guy is telling you that direction, even when that is the direction fire is coming from. 
you, of course, you know the way they dress. They have stuff here to pad it. You crawl on your ankles and your knees. You can't leave the position of assignment. Do you get my point? That's my second reason. That's my second reason. Now, as part of that, my second reason, I now understand the law of the bank, there's work to do. Like I said at that time, and I mean it, you will be blessed in this land. Amen. I'm praying for you. Amen. Say amen. amen. You will be blessed in this land. Amen. I don't have a doubt. I don't have a shadow of doubt. But the reason why I'm saying so is this. God says, what does it take to, for people to be blessed? They have to draw the blessing from above. It's a spiritual assignment. So I understand my own duty, at least for now, in that area. Keep on teaching people so that they can draw the blessings into their environment. Because that's the only hope. Only Jesus can save. Jesus will drive out corruption out of this land. Somebody say amen. amen. He will. I don't have a doubt about it. But just I know the way he does it is to first drive out corruption out of the lives of those who claim they have believed. That's where he begins from. He drives out corruption out of the lives of those who claim to be his own. Let me tell you how salt works. Salt works, when he say you are the salt of the earth, this is how it works. Salt works just, just by being present. It doesn't fight anybody. It's just what? Present. It's just present. It's just present in adequate quantities. That's all it needs to do. So when God wants to preserve the land, he said, let's put salt in there. We put the salt. Once the salt is present, the land will fill it. It's called the salt of the earth. So what is salt? Salt, they are the people, because it's a type, okay? They are the people that he has taken, listen to this, and he has washed, he has purified, and he has planted in the environment. So what God is doing every day in our lives, we're talking about what salvation is, is purifying us to be the salt that he can use to redeem a land, to redeem a nation. Now, let me say something to you. The work is actually easy and is hard. Now, I'm, I'm going to explain each one. The work is easy, and the work is what? Hard. Now, my children and I were studying this morning. We started from Joshua chapter 1. And Joshua, God said something to Joshua. He said, don't be afraid, be, be courageous. Just open to you quickly, I want to show you something. Joshua chapter 1, I want to just bring out a point there. Now it came about, after the death of Moses, I will jump a few words to save time. It came about after the death of Moses that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. He now describes the place. In verse 5, he says, No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. So what are you supposed to do? Now, this is where I'm going, verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give these people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. What's your own portion? Only be strong and very courageous. He attached something to that 
command to be strong and courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. Now, let's analyze it together. When you see, hear him say, be strong and be courageous, what comes to mind is that when you see the Amorites, don't run. What comes to mind is that when you see the Amalekites, don't disappear. When you see the people of Jericho, stand. But if you look closely, you know, God does something. And listen to this. When God wants to give you a very hard job to do, like bringing down the wall of Jericho, he will give you something small to do. Remember what I said? It is hard and what? Easy. He will give you something small to do. Now that small thing is actually what you'll be surprised. can be hard for many people, even though the thing is actually easy. Now I'm mixing many words now, but try and decode it in your heart. The big thing that he wants you to do, we look hard for everybody, but when you will have done it, you will have found that it's very easy. Let me go over that again. God gives something small for you to do. That small thing, that easy thing, tends to be the one that's very hard for people. Then the thing he really wants you to do, we look very hard for everybody. But if you do the easy one, you will find out that the hard one is very simple. Let me give a few stories. He says, go and take over Jericho. Jericho locked up the gates, and then their fence was thick, massive. So he said, you will bring it down. How do you bring it down? He said, march around it once a day for six days. Let me tell you the truth. By the fifth day, everybody's always, by the third day, everybody's asking, is Joshua all right? Don't forget, God spoke only to Joshua. He didn't speak to the council of elders. Are you sure Joshua heard God? Because when they started moving, they were thinking that the Lord would lead Joshua to a crack in the wall through which they would enter. They went around the first day, they went back home. They went around the second day, they went back home. They went around the third day, they went back home. By that time, they are beginning to wonder, is this guy okay? You know what courage is? To be able to stand against the opinion of everybody and continue getting the people to march around. I hope you are getting my point. It appears simple until everybody gathers and says, oh God, what are we doing? By the fifth day, half of the people, you have to command and threaten them for them to get up and come out. It's not to march around. You will soon march and will come back here. What is the point? By the seventh day, you can be sure the people are not interested in marching anymore. He has to be instructing. You must march. You must march. You hear everybody, march, march. By that time, everybody is tired of marching. He has to now motivate them to march. Even though initially it appears simple, right? <laughs> but believe me, when you start, you know it's not, it's not easy. Let me prove it again. They told this man, Naman, go and dip in the Jordan seven times. Now, all of you say, ah, no be too deep. No be too deep. You don't get the point. The man came, Jordan River is said, it's not a clear river. People have never seen it, but they, they told us. It's, not in, it's a muddy river. The water is not clear. They had to explain to him, sir, what he has asked us to do is not hard. They had to persuade him. Can you see how difficult it was to do a simple thing? Could he heal himself? 
The best physicians back home, are they not tried? Did they succeed? No. That means it was a great and difficult thing. But what God gave him to do for healing was simple, but difficult for him to do. I hope you're getting my point. God said to Joshua, just be what? Strong and courageous. What was he talking about, strong and courageous? He wasn't strong and courageous. When he said, I'm, 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 I'm all right, don't run. Joshua was not planning to run when he would see the Amorites. The major problem Joshua had was the people around with him. Who stole things that made them lose the battle in eye? Who? Achan, one of his own people. Do you know how many people begged? The Bible didn't tell us, I'm just imagining. That he should not execute Achan. He had to be strong and courageous to do what he did. When God said be strong and courageous, let me tell you, he wasn't saying be strong and courageous when you see the Amalekites. That was not a problem. He was saying be strong and courageous in obeying the things that I'm going to tell you. The courage is in obedience to God. Go and read the instructions given to Saul. He couldn't obey it. All Saul needed to do is tell people, don't take anything. He couldn't. The people said, I'm taking this goat. He just needed to refuse. He could not refuse. When he said, only be strong and courageous, he wasn't telling them, hey, when you see the soldier, don't run. They, look, if you know the kind of person Joshua was. No, remember, they went to, in, in Numbers chapter, what was it? Number 13 and 14. They went to spy the promised land. Joshua was one of them. Do you remember? He and Caleb. Was he afraid? He saw giants. Was he afraid? He wasn't. Don't worry. God did not think Joshua would be afraid of giants. He has seen them before and he was not afraid. You remember the testimony? He and Caleb said, we can take them. The real problem Joshua was going to have was in the simple things. Obey the law. They say the armies are camping against you tomorrow. He says it's Sabbath day, we are not going out. <laughs> People will say, Excuse me, sir. What if they overrun us? First day tomorrow. He said, It is Sabbath, we are not going anywhere. You know, they will gather and say, Which kind of military man are we dealing with here? For him to stand and say, It is Sabbath, we are not going anywhere, he needed courage. I hope you're getting my point. When they went back to Ai, and he pointed his javelin towards the city, and did not put his hand down, you didn't think there were times they needed him to run down, come and command the battle? There would have been. He said, no, my place is here. Just keep that thing stretched out. Don't put your hand down. That was where the courage was needed. I hope you're getting my point. Be strong and courageous. He wasn't saying, that's what we must understand. When God said be strong and courageous, the strength, the courage is needed to obey him, not to face the challenges of life. So even though it will appear simple, even though it will appear easy, the fact is that we need courage to obey what God is saying. You see where I'm going? You see where I'm going? Now, when he, after they went around the city seven times, could they have pulled down the walls of the city? No, of Jericho. Answer me. Could they have pulled it down by themselves? What happened to the wall? It fell down by itself. What was difficult turned out to be an easy one. Do you get what I'm going to explain? What appeared difficult turned out to be the easy one. What you'll have thought was easy turned out to be what? The hard one. 
That's what we experience every day as believers. Now, back to where I began all of that from. Salt of the earth. What does salt need to affect the earth? Be present. What is God doing every day? Cleaning his people to make sure they are pure as salt. That is what he's doing. So, changing the land in itself. In fact, I preached a message here some time ago. How to change how to change the world. Yes, that's the title. You can go and look for it on our website. How to change the world. I know the first thing I said. Has anybody here listened to that message? Oh, you've listened to it. <laughs> you really have listened to it. The first thing I said is that you can't. <laughs> How to change the world. Can you change the world? I said, no, you can't. Only God can change the world. But what do you have to do to change the world? Change yourself and remain changed. Did you hear what I said? Listen, let me just quickly say something to Christians. When they start Save Nigeria group, you don't need to join. What did I say? I didn't say it's evil. I'm just saying don't think you owe it to Nigeria to protest. You have no business protesting. Is protest evil? No, just not your duty. Protests will not change anything anyway. People think that when people protest, things will change. It's not true. Protest from now to tomorrow. If it's not the time of change, you know what happens? Nothing. Can you remember Arab Spring? Arab Spring? I don't even remember Arab Spring. What happened in Arab Spring? All over the you know, Arab countries, beginning from um, Tunisia. Mohamed Bouazizi. Remember Mohamed Bouazizi? He went and set himself on fire. Remember? And the thing spread from one country to the other. What changed? Nothing. In every country, other things remain the same or they are worse. In Libya, oh my father, they are wishing that they did not throw out Gaddafi. They are fighting every day. In Egypt, they removed Mubarak, put in um, Morsi. They realized that they were about to live under an Islamist. Then they protested again. Then the army kicked him out. And then Al-Sisi took up over the job removed his uniform, and became another Mubarak. Back to square one. Make a long story short, they have another Mubarak on the seat who has been in power since that time. I'm not saying things are worse than before, but definitely they are not better. They went to Syria and said, Arab Spring, till now, the winter is not over. The war has not ended. This is almost the 10th year now. The war has continued since that time. Libya has not been at peace. Protests don't change places. Don't let anybody deceive you. That if you protest, things will change. It's not true. Now, I don't like talking politics because it will twist my message a bit, but let me just say it. So all the protests in America, let me just tell you the truth, it's not going to change anything. Do you know why? Because protests don't change anything. Change, freedom comes is a gift of, gift of God. It's God that gives people the gift of freedom. If you want freedom, you kneel down to him and pray. If you try to free yourself when he has not freed you, you know what he said? What he said, this you will have from my hand. You will lie down in torment. That is the word of God. That is the word of God. You will lie down in torment. So I'm not saying that, look, those who want to protest... They can go ahead and protest too. I'm just saying it's not Christian duty. I've seen people pray and say that Christian needs to go out and go and protest. No, it's not going to help you. It will not. It's not a Christian duty. Real freedom doesn't come from that angle. 
Where does freedom come from? Back to it. What is God doing? He's changing and purifying the salt. And he says, once I have done that, now remember, changing the whole country is hard, right? You know, we say it can be hard, and it is easy. It is hard and easy. Now, this is why, why I said so. Just like the wall of Jericho. Bringing down the wall of Jericho in itself might appear hard, but it's actually easy. The simple thing that God says we should do appears easy. It can actually be hard. Why it is hard is that that is one in which he places demand directly on us. To put on the wall of Jericho, he will do it himself. To wipe out corruption in land like this, he will do it himself. He knows how to do it. He will pour his spirit into the air. People will be afraid. He knows how to do it. But he says, before I can do it, let's do the simple appearing but hard part. Let us have, listen to what I'm going to say, have enough Christians who are bearing the fruit of salvation, which is the godly character of Christ. And when they have borne the fruit, this is the hard part, pressure will be upon them to compromise that fruit every day. They need to hold on to it and say, if I perish, I perish. Christians, let me explain something to you. When you refuse to inflate um, what the contracts, when you want to get a government contract and you say, I'm not inflating, God is not promising you you will get it. He's saying every contract you lose that you rightfully deserve, but which you lose, I'm counting it. In heaven, for each one of his children and the collective of all of us, in that regard, he has a bowl. It's on a scale. Is weighing it until it tips the balance. That scale, the only thing they put in is what you have been righteously, unjustly denied. I don't know whether you got my point. The only thing they put inside there is what you have been unjustly denied. It's called the sacrifice of your faith. Faith has sacrificed. The mistake we make a lot of times when we are preaching is this. We just tell people that if you stand for righteousness, God will let you prosper. God said, I can do that, but that's not where we begin from. When you start for righteousness, you lose the first job. You lose the second one. You lose the third one. Your friends who are doing business with you will build a duplex in the first two years. By the end of the third year, you are sitting in your landlord. It's a flat, not a duplex, landlord. You are explaining to him that, please, sir, just give us one more month. Then you use your prayer to parent. <laughs> you are a more effective businessman than the other people. It's just there's one thing you said from the beginning. I've entered into Babylon. My name is Mishael, Azariah, Ananiah, and Daniel. I will not pollute myself by all the corruption in this business world. The mistake we make is that we think that once we start, ha, I will just start getting the jobs. I will not be making righteous money. No. Let me explain. The first thing you will experience is righteous hunger. The first thing you will experience is righteous lack of promotion. The first thing you will experience is righteous trekking. When that's whether people are buying cars. The first thing you will experience is righteous paying of rent. When the people that have business with you are building houses. I've heard people say it before. You know, this is the thing you used to feed your family. You know, actually, some of the arguments we have, he said, we don't understand the scripture or what? The power of God. Now, we don't understand the purpose of God is why we have some arguments. People are saying, but if you don't do it, they will not give you the job. You don't understand. That's what God is saying. They need to deny you the job so when you want to pray, I will hear. You must understand how things work. There are prayers that God said, no, you can't pray this one in comfort. You have to pray it in pain. He said, from the depths of the earth will I cry out to you. There's a reason why. 
There's a kind of pray, no, there's a prayer you pray in the name of Jesus. Father God, we thank you and you are happy. There's a prayer you pray, you get on your knees. Your soul is grieved. You have been oppressed. You have been cheated. You have been denied. You put a knee down and say, Lord, avenge me of my adversaries. Then two angels get up, draw their sword. You wake up next day. A GM will die suddenly. A policeman, a DPO will open the door to his office. He will collapse there and die. A governor will say, let us start a, a state executive meeting. Then he will cough twice and die. Why? Because somebody that was pained got on his knees, got on her knees and said, Lord, avenge me of my adversaries. You don't even know who they are. Because there are prayers you don't pray when your air conditioner is working. There are prayers you don't pray when your children have gone to school and you've paid their fees. There are prayers you don't pray when everything is working well. I'm not saying everything working well is a sin, no. But there are people I said, no, I need you to utter a prayer for me. So they will drill you. Now, you know the issue about that prayer? It is not effective if you are one of the sinners. So God takes a righteous man and keeps him there. And you don't know why. Because we are going to try him. The word of the Lord will try him. Until the time that his word will come. It will be tried. Trial is trial. When they say the word of the Lord tried him, it's not the Lord the Lord was encouraging him in the morning. The word of the Lord came and said, Hey, Joseph, you are the head and not the tail. All the th-. See, that's Pentecostal preaching. I hope you get my point. When the word of the Lord tried him, Mrs. Potiphar will come and say, Oh boy, you are fine. Say, Madam, please stop that breakdance. The word of the Lord will say, stand your righteous ground. It is the only way you will go to prison. <laughs> I don't know whether you are getting my point. The immediate reward is you are going to jail. The word of the Lord tried him. You think it's every time you stand for righteousness, you will end up on the throne? Most people who stand there go to jail first. When you go to jail, you're now put in a place where, you know, the agbako of the jail, that's where he's staying. First day you arrive, somebody gives you a slap. And you are wondering, like, where is my God? Listen, I told you I read an, I read an article written by one of our uh, Nigerians from the north wishing the vice president luck on his new found strength to look for another way to fight corruption. He told the history from before the civil war. Since the, the independence, the, the, the time of independence till now, he chronicled it and showed all the ways they tried to fight corruption. I said, Mr. Vice President, I wish you luck. Go and invent something we have not tried before. When I read it, I smiled. I smiled because it confirmed what we have been saying. Only Jesus can save. Sing with me, I beg. I want you to sing with me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can save. Hallelujah. EFCC cannot save. ICPC cannot save. Hallelujah. Only Jesus can save. Hallelujah. 
Only Jesus can say hallelujah. Thank you very much. I enjoyed that. When I read that, I said only Jesus can save. But who are the people he saves through? His people. Listen to our series, God's Champions. See, I will send them, I will send them a savior and a champion and deliver them. When God wants to deliver, he sends champions. Where is the champion going to be? That is, where will he be a champion? That's what I'm making. It's in standing in his or personal life for righteousness. That is a difficult one. The one we think is difficult is not hard for God. The one that is hard for God. Mm. Did you hear what I said? The one God himself finds hard. He said, I sought for a man. I did not find. You know, there are things that God will look. And you know, God did something. So let me create a problem that I can't solve myself. I need you guys to solve that one for me. Did you hear what I said? Yes. Say, I will leave a problem that I can't solve. I need you to work with me to solve that one. I leave most of the solving power in your hands. Yes, I have the grace with me, but you have to come and collect the grace to use. That's what God did. So you know what Paul said? He said, I'm doing in my flesh, in my body, what is lacking in the sacrifice of Jesus. Because, you know, there are things I just leave for you guys to do. Jesus said, I died on the cross, I know. But there's one thing I left for Paul and people like him. And what am I teaching believers today? What is the purpose of salvation? The purpose of salvation, the aim of salvation, is the righteous character of God that is developing in us. Because without that, we are useless to him. I use our nation as an example for us to know. That's why I began all of that. Now I understand it. For me, I don't take my ministry work as a joke anymore. Apostle, when you are teaching the Bible study or preaching anywhere, or you are on word versus word, you're not doing, it's not the job you're doing. You're not filling up time. It is as if they've discovered the vaccine for COVID. They now give it to you to go and distribute. You know, you'll be eager. You'll be anxious. You'll be under pressure because you know that except you roll it out in large numbers, the economy cannot return to normal. Schools may not be able to open. Football will not start again. That is, people gathering in stadia. Churches in large number will not be able to start. They now say in your hands is the vaccine that will cause, solve all the problem. You know the way you wake up every day and you'll be preaching and explaining. I give the example all the time of polio vaccine. The world understands that, well, they didn't say it like this, but I don't want to say it, that God has given them the ability to eradicate polio maladies from this earth. And it's in that polio vaccine. Poor Bill Gates. For those of you who say that Bill Gates is trying to take over the world, it's a lie. I hope you know it's a lie. I will say that one internationally. Everybody, please leave the poor guy alone. The man is Jesus Christ. He's not the Antichrist in the making. All that thing is confusion. It's not necessary. Okay? Everything he's doing, please, if you have not read my book, The Mark of the Beast, go and read it. If you don't read it, Ray will not follow your neighborhood. Let me just leave it like that. <laughs> go and read it, The Mark of the Beast. Leave that thing alone. Please, let me take a minute and talk about The Mark of the Beast. Please, I'll get back to what I'm going to say. Okay? Remind me that I was talking about a vaccine and all of that. Please, the mark of the beast has nothing to do with technology. Did you hear what I said? Yes, sir. It's a digression, five minutes. It has absolutely nothing to do with technology. Nothing. Are you saying the beast will not use technology? If that's what he means on ground, he will use it. But if he meets pen and paper, that's what he will use. They said they will be able to take a census of everybody on the earth and know where you are at this time. They did in the days of Jesus. It's not new. 
It's just that they had to travel. Operation of the beast is not new. Of the Antichrist. It has... The, if you like, stop technology, it will still come. Advancement of technology does not increase his chance of coming. When he comes, he will use what is on ground. If all of you are riding chariots, Antichrist will be in chariots. Let me just really drop it. Technology is neutral. Absolutely neutral. It is who is using it that is the issue. Jesus will use it. Antichrist will use it. Wherever you are listening to me from, do you realize this technology? If you are streaming live, I am using it to teach you the word of God. You are using it to connect with the word of God, right? Do you know on that same internet where you are, some people are watching pornography right now. That's what they are doing. Do you know that? As you are talking like this, some people are hushing into people's accounts and popping their money out. You know that? (laughs) No, as you are here now, you, you are using the technology to hear the word of God. Some people are using it for other things. Please, Antichrist has nothing to do with technology. I hope you are getting my point. What brings forth the Antichrist, I will tell you, is one word. What is that word? Apostasy. One word. The thing that brings forth the Antichrist early onto the earth is one word. What is it? Say it loud. That's not loud enough. Say it again. Please shout it for me one more time. Apostasy. That is what brings the Antichrist, not technology. Technology will advance. It's in the word of God. Knowledge will increase. So we're dealing with 5G now. In case you don't know, 6G is coming. Nigeria has joined the thing at 2G. Remember that? That's how many years ago. When the passenger came into power, remember? That's when we joined 2G. That's 1999, 2000. 20 years after that, they're on 5G. 2025 will be on 6G. What am I saying? Don't worry about it. What did I say? Bill Gates is not your enemy. He has always wanted to do his business. What he's doing right now, let me get back to my gist. So, please, one man. He said, why do you mind human beings whose breath is where? In his nostrils. Where does Bill Gates breathe from? His bum bum. How does he breathe? Why do you regard man whose breath is bought in his nostrils? If God doesn't want him to live till tomorrow, you know what he will do? He will close his breast today. And it's a convenient time to do it. It's called COVID-19. Very convenient. God said, okay, remove the man for me. You just say, he could not breathe. He could not breathe. They drove him to the hospital. They put him on a ventilator. After two days, the ventilator packed up, inhaled the tube, and he died. God said, why do you regard man whose breath is where? In his nostrils. Bear that in mind. Like I said, it's a digression. Let's get back to our message. But now, what I'm talking about is that why are they spending money on vaccines? Why are they? Because they believe it is a cure. So when they wanted to wipe out polio, my life, you know what they did? They made everybody take it. As of this year, they've declared, I think earlier this year, that Nigeria is now polio free entirely. As of this year. That caused them a lot of things. There are times they would take their workers and shoot them. Workers were shot in northern Nigeria. New workers went. In Afghanistan, they will shoot. 
they will kill. Three countries still had polio because of Islamic extremists. Nigeria, Afghanistan, and Pakistan. Only three. But finally, I read it, I think a few weeks ago, they said Nigeria were finally succeeded. And all they need to do is vaccinate everybody. And they put money into it. What am I teaching? The solution to the problems of mankind is Christ being formed in you and me. So I was talking to you. So if the vaccine is in your hands, God says, what are you doing sleeping? Get up and preach. Are you getting my point? Push it out, push it out, push it out. You are not preaching to the world. The world has its own message. I'm not saying it doesn't have. But you are saying to Zion, behold your God. You are saying to Zion, behold your God. That is why, thank God for people like uh, Junior Israel, you know, and co, who God has used to help us open and co- for COVID-19, amen, that, you know, we, before COVID, I didn't believe in streaming. He said, Pastor, we can stream. I said, where are we streaming to? Anybody that wants to listen should go to the website afterwards. But COVID said no. So finally, we began to stream. Now we have continued to stream. They, okay, we forgot to inform people again. We're now on mixed LR, internet radio. You understand? We keep on adding and adding every avenue until anytime you turn, we are there teaching. Even that mixed LR, I've been talking to the guys. After a while, we're broadcasting every hour. Ah, it's not data. Glow is happy to send, sell us data. MTN we sell. Nine Mobile we sell. Airtel we sell us data. And you know what? We have money to pay. Don't we have? Do we have money to pay? Yes. Do we have money to pay? Yes. Simple. We have money to pay. I don't make it now with all of us. We have money to pay. Because we understand that that is the solution. That is God's solution. So what is he doing? Listen to me. He's birthing Christ in each individual. You know, I preach this again and again and again and again. You know, I remember, remember I said the hard thing and the simple thing. Saul doesn't have to struggle hard to have effect. As a Christian, the only struggle is to remain pure. As a Christian, as salt, your struggle is not to affect your environment. Let me say something to you. I want to say something that will appear initially like I'm, I'm contradicting myself. You say, ah, Pastor, are you not contradicting yourself what you're, what you're saying, trying to say here? But no, it's not contradiction. First of all, listen to this. Don't try and change anything in your office. No, don't. Don't. Sometimes Christians have too much fight. They, they, they want to wed. The father-in-law says he wants to drink power. He says, in our church, we don't drink. Did the man say you should drink? They'll be fighting. Say, no, we don't. Say, I don't talk power. I only give them money to buy. Why? Don't. What kind of jagood are you practicing? The man that bought and the man that paid and the man that drank. Are they not in the same camp? Sometimes I see Christians fighting. No. I will not give anybody power wine. I say, bros. Some fights are not necessary. Your father-in-law says to give your wife, he needs power wine. Bros. Give him power wine. Did he say you should drink it? The Bible says, give wine to him that wants to drink. Is that not in your Bible? You know, Christians fight some fights I don't understand. You think you, the way you're looking at me, you think you'll go to heaven for giving somebody power? Look at the way you're looking at me. One day, <laughs> no, let me not give you just yet. Some people, they say, my, my boss is humanizing. You now carry the Bible to his office that he must stop. He will sack you. <laughs> 
And I think he shoots Saki. You don't have sense. Did you take your wife? That's not your primary assignment. I didn't say you shouldn't preach to him. That's you shouldn't preach to him. Humanizing is not his problem. It's Jesus Christ he needs. I hope you're getting my point. Even if he starts humanizing in the office and he does it outside, is he, is he now saved? Is he now saved? There are people who go, <laughs> they just want to, you know, you, maybe there's a checkpoint in your neighborhood. You want to be disturbing the policemen that they can't take Roger there. They should slap you, honestly. Let me know what the Bible says. Mind your business. What did I say? Yeah, Paul wrote that to the, to the Thessalonians. Everybody must learn how to mind their business. So, Pastor Banker, you know, sir, ah, I'm not going to change the environment. You know, I said, be patient with me. And don't misunderstand me. Your first, that's what I said, your first assignment is this. One, let, first, let's talk about your boss that's womanizing. One, you must never womanize. Never, no matter what. It must not be named near you in the remotest, no fashion. That's number one. Number two, you must never go to work late. Number three, do your work on time. Number four, your financial records must be accurate. What are you saying? I'm talking about the means to be salt of the earth. That's the only thing you are supposed to do. Then, when they start paying late, don't complain. I hope you're getting my point. Be the first to volunteer to do any good thing that needs to be done. That is your first assignment. The kingdom of God must first be bettered in you. In that office, everything, go and read the story. We don't have time. I'm watching my time. You will see when it comes, when it came to Daniel, they researched his life in the affairs of the king. There was no, a number of words were used. There was no negligence, no corruption to be found with Daniel. There was no occasion for negligence and corruption that could be found that Daniel was responsible. That is what it means to be salt of the earth. Let me tell you, another, okay, I was saying something that you must never do. You must never show fear. When is afraid of tomorrow, you should be one person that will never be afraid. What am I trying to say? You walk in the kingdom in your personal life on a regular basis. Now, listen to the next thing God is going to do. Then God, now, listen carefully. Oh. God will start opening doors for you to testify concerning your Jesus Christ, and you must never hold back. Did you hear what I said? That boss of yours that was humanizing, that I said, don't worry him. I'm not saying humanizing is good. I'm just saying this is what will happen. One day he will call you and say, hey, you, are you not even afraid? Are you not going to build a house? You know, just say some things. I want to share money. You are telling me you, you don't participate in Yes, you must never participate in sharing money. They want to steal money. They say, no, not under my watch. Now I say, what is wrong with you? He says, sir, nothing wrong. You mean you don't want money? Sir, I do, actually, but I'm going to ask the person who will give me. Who is it? God, he's taking care of my tomorrow. I'm going to ask him. Say it like that. Do you know what Jesus said? If you are ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Sir, because I'm a Christian, that is why I don't do such things. So all these women, you don't like them. He said, oh God, I actually do. So I went and took one of them. That is my wife. And the Bible says marriage is honorable in all, and the bed must be undefiled. 
that homongers and adulterers God will judge. So that's why I keep away. Okay, I'm not saying you should keep away. I'm just saying that's why I keep away. <laughs> Do what I have said. After that, the man will start hiding from you. And most importantly, you will start changing. You will start realizing. Look, you are the first gospel that must be preached. You know what somebody said? I think I saw it on, on Twitter. I think I even retweeted it. He said, your integrity is in handling money. is the number one way you promote the kingdom of God. Did you hear what I said? That your integrity in handling money is the number one way you preach the gospel, you promote the kingdom of God. Many people, you just get to an office one day, hey, everything will change today. You are not the boss. It will not change. You know what you do? If you want to help people, Offer them, like I said, kingdom was, you know, we do that study center thing. Take one of the Bible study scripts and say, guys, hey, Friday afternoon, closing time, between four and five, I teach the Bible in my office. Two people will come, teach them the scriptures. It's Tuesday evening you have, or lunch hour between, you know, on certain days. Teach them the scriptures. Share with those who want to hear. Pray for people. The kingdom of God is birthed in your own personal life first. That is what God needs. Not those who are shouting, no, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. What he needs first are the people that don't do it. And one of the things I found, which is, yes, I just believe it's the mind of God, I'm telling you. One of the things that pains God the most in our country of today, maybe the whole earth, I don't know, but in our country of today, one of the things that pains the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm speaking his heart, I'm telling you what he's saying right now. What pains him the most right now is the same thing he said to them in Revelation. I wish you were hot or you were cold. What is paining him right now are those who preach but they don't do. If he asked the Lord Jesus Christ today, I don't know about next week, as of today, Lord, what hurts you the most? He will say to you, listen, my friend, Fred, right now what pains me the most in your country are the people who claim to be mine but don't live like that. They are hypocrites. I, I don't know. I just felt I say that. I will say it one more time. So that if you are like that, just know you are hurting him every day. You are hurting him how often? Every day. Every day the day ends, Jesus is sad and it is because of you. Why? You will stand and pray for breakthrough and take a bribe. Let me get practical. You will stand and declare the word of God and take a bribe. You will say you are a Christian. Corruption must end in this country but you inflate contracts. Let me say it again. You say you are a Christian and you keep declaring corruption must end the country, but you take, you inflate contracts. Jesus said, that is what pains me. As part of what pains me are the people who say Nigeria's corruption must end. The preachers amongst you people that will take my word and lie and say the things I did not say because they want to collect money. That's part of it. But for the average Christian, what pains me the most, which was why I said I wish you were cold or hot. What pains me the most are those who claim to be mine, but when you analyze their personal lives, they don't live like that at all. The average person in the office and them, they do exactly the same things. If you don't pay them money, they don't move your file and they go to church. They don't wear earrings, though. 
They don't use makeup. The God of chosen is their God. However, let us see their works. There is no diligence and there's abundance of what? Corruption. Oh, they give tithes. Press fruit, they would never miss it. But thus says the Lord, I will judge you quickly if you don't repent. Hear this word from the throne of God. Don't bring your tithes, don't bring your offerings. If you are still stealing money, the next one I see will be judgment against you. Whichever, if you like, say, I won't send to kingdom word. If you take it to a Catholic church, you'll be judged. If you take it to an Anglican church, you'll be judged. Take it to a Methodist church, you'll be judged. Any church you take it to, you will be judged. Thus says the Lord. Why don't you just stop stealing? That's why I can't end corruption. The Christians steal. That's why I can't. The Christians steal. They pray, they steal. They fast, they steal. They confess the word, they steal. They witness, they steal. They do house to house evangelism, but they steal. If they will walk with me, and I wipe out corruption from the midst of them, which is a hard thing for us to do, us being the Lord and his people, that is the hard part for him. If they will walk with me and will wipe out, wipe out corruption from the midst of them, so that Ananias starts dying again and Sapphira starts collapsing because of the purity in the midst of the people of God. If we get to that point, listen to the, this is the word of God. The corruption in Nigeria will begin to disappear. God is not concerned right now about corruption in APC. That is why he's not fighting it. He's not corruption, cor- concerned right now about corruption in PDP. That's why he's not fighting. The only corruption he's fighting right now is the one in the church. What is the goal of salvation? Is a righteous character that's bested in you and in me. What is the goal of, goal of salvation? Is that the washing of water by the word. Which one would explain earlier? We talked about progressive sanctification. It is working in our lives on a daily basis until we are perfect and entire, lacking in nothing. What is the goal of salvation? That a time will come, as a father is, so are we in this world. I hope you're getting my point. That's why Jesus said it. Be perfect as your heavenly father is what? Perfect. This is the goal of salvation, that the perfection of Christ is found in each one of us. What is the goal of salvation? That every defilement of flesh and spirit is removed from the midst of the heart of the people of God. What is the goal of salvation? That the time will come that once a child of God opens his mouth, opens her mouth, the yes is yes, the no is no. What is the goal of salvation? That they will be like Samuel, that none of their words will fall to the ground. What is the goal of salvation? That you will find no iniquity in them. What is the goal of salvation? That what happens is that the prince of this world will come, but you have nothing in them. That's why we are not concerned whether we sin, we will still be saved. No. We are going for something deeper. We are going for something higher. We are going for something broader. We are saying no. The me of yesterday must be inferior to the me of tomorrow. I hope you're getting my point. 
That is, I'm getting better on a daily basis. Let's read this one and then we'll begin to close. Second Peter chapter 1. I just love that expression that Peter used. Second Peter chapter 1. The aim of God is that this will be done in us. That God will remove everything that is inferior to his perfection. I wanted to explain two things, but let's see how it goes. We'll get there. I said to us, it's removing the things that are negative, and it's removing the things that even appear good. He walks in the life of Job to bring him out of self-righteousness, the righteousness of faith. He walks in the life of David until the iniquity hidden inside David was exposed so that David might repent of it. Let me just say this so that before we read this, and then I'm, I, I'm just watching my time. Please remember that God exposes. That's what, in cleansing us, you know what he does? He exposes us. What did I say? In cleansing us, he does what? He exposes. Please, I know I've taught this many times, but allow me to explain it again. There are two men in the Bible. I don't know whether God will allow us to continue in it next time. If not, let me just end it today, briefly. That are so important for us to understand. One is Job. The other is David. In this series of teachings, what we are taking from Job is God's cure for self-righteousness. And what we are taking from David is God's cure for iniquity in the heart. Remember we said that Simon was in what? The gall of bitterness and the bondage of iniquity. David did not realize it was inside him. He thought he was a perfect man. God could have prevented him that day from seeing um, Bathsheba, but he did not. He said, if I did, David would think that he's a perfect man, and that's why all these things are happening in his life. He, he thought so much of his own righteousness. Because as at that time, listen to what I want to say, he had not yet killed Uriah. He had not yet taken Bathsheba. He had never done anything like that at that time, but it was sitting inside his heart. God said, I need to eradicate it. He may have given him opportunities to confess it, but David stuck with his own righteousness. So God said, let us let, let, us let him see it. So you know what happened to him? He saw. And then that seed that was wrong inside him, you must understand, we have the seed of God in us, right? We have it, right? Yeah. But it doesn't mean that all the other ones are gone. The goal of bitterness was still in Simon. God plants his seed. The enemy plants what? Tears. So God starts uprooting. And the Bible says God separates what? The light from darkness. So God said, let us separate this darkness out of the life of David. He exposed it to him. And as I say to you all the time, anytime you are corrected, please listen to correction and take heed to it and repent. Because the things that are deep inside somebody that will not let you enter into God's destiny, you don't even know they are there. Sometimes you see them, you think they are normal. David did not realize it. You'll be amazed if I say this. Solomon would never have come if God didn't remove that thing from David. David would have died, would not have had a proper son to put on that throne. It's amazing that he did it through Bathsheba. That's another story in, in, in itself. But God needed to pull that thing out of David. When David took Bathsheba and killed Uriah, the story which we all know, and Nathan came, that was the time David finally accepted that there was evil in him. And all God wanted him to do was to kneel down and say, I'm sorry. Create in me a new heart. David had to confess his sin, confess his iniquity. He began to say things like, I was brought forth iniquity. 
And people have said it, and possibly it's true, that that statement was not figurative, it was literal. And that was why Jesse did not bring him out the first time. They said, where are your sons? David was not numbered amongst them for certain reasons. The relationship between his father and his mother was not legitimate. And that thing dropped inside him a seed that was not right. But just needed to acknowledge it that God could remove it from him. That's what he was doing. So if you do anything wrong, don't justify it. He says, Nigeria, how are we going to survive? Just say, God, I love bribes. They just put it like that. I'm going to kneel down and say to him, Lord, I chopped, I like it. It was sweet. I'm sorry. Why should it be sweet? I'm a child of God. I hope you're getting my point here. That's what he's doing. He's exposing us. He said, because of the multitude of your transgression, of your, of your merchandise, you fill the midst of you with cruelty. And that scripture sticks in my head. That what God does is as we are moving around every day, he's exposing us. In the multitude of our businesses, we have exposures that will show us the goal of bitterness that is hiding. God needs to cleanse it. He has to purify us entirely to make us pure for himself. He has to. I hope you're getting my point. In Job's case, what did he do? Job also was a good man and he thought that his goodness was what brought for him everything he had. God said, no, Job, you don't get it. So he sent Job again. This time around, it's another form of temptation. And you know what happened to Job? Until Job realized that you don't walk with God in self-righteousness. You have to walk with God in the righteousness of faith. That's what God did with Job. So God is purifying us two ways. One is removing self-righteousness and it's removing every deed of the flesh. And listen to me, he has to do it. You just need to, listen, he has to. You don't have a choice. So. You, you will be cleansed. Yes, yes, he has to. He has to. Every experience in your life is for cleansing. Everyone. If you are going on the road and they slap you, ask yourself, why person slap me? What? Do you? Don't say, eh, this country is bad. No, 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 no. Just wait. I was slapped. Amen. In Jesus' name, I was slapped. What happened? I remember once, my bag was stolen. My bag. Took my bag. I didn't have much that time. I was a young man, just finished school. They took my whole bag. Contained my bag that contained most of my worldly possession. It wasn't much. Went to church. You know where they stole it? Church. It was my friend's car. And God sent some thieves. They just went, picked the lock of the car, took my bag away. And I prayed that God would recover my bag. And God said, why? I wanted to let me lesson. Because that scripture never left my mind. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. That was when I learned that scripture. It was in 1990, I think um, 92. I never forgot it. I don't break my head over material things. I don't. Bishop Udipo said, eh, you want to save uh, car for money for a car for five years, I can catch fire. I never forgot that thing. My children and I will be studying Psalm 131. So I don't involve myself in matters too difficult for me. If anything is too hard, I'm not doing. He said, is it time to build a house? I'm not doing. Leave it. I used to tell people that, listen, the most beautiful thing I did was to pay good rent. And I give God the glory. Everywhere I went, my landlords always testified that I paid them their money. Yes. 
And it's by faith, too. Not because I have nothing else to do with money. But the last house I lived in, <laughs> my landlord, so my landlord is elderly. One day I called his son. He said, Pastor, it took like a few minutes to heal me on the phone. He didn't let me talk. And that ended with the man who pays his rent without being reminded. I said, oh, was that the thing? Because he saw rent was due 1st of February. I called him like 27th or 28th. He knew I was calling. You do it by faith. That was what I could afford. I hope you're getting my point. Matters too difficult for me. I said, no, I'm not involving myself in it. I'm not. What am I going to explain? Listen, this life, let God purify also. Yes. God purified Job. God purified um, 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 David. I told the experience. So that's why I learned it. Just a bag I lost, but I never forgot it. I never forgot. I can see, I, I still remember where. I know the church service. I remember my friend's car I was in. But what I remember is the scripture that came to my mind. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. <laughs> One day I gave somebody money to help me buy a car some years ago. Say so we import the car and all of that. And that time, not now, that time, this is more than 10 years now. Of course, more than 10 years. Yes, more than 10 years. I remember. <laughs> yeah, oh, more than 10 years. And the guy said I should pay him 1.2. That's 1 million twenty twenty thousand was our agreement. No, no funny figure, right? I paid him 1.2. The car had not showed up. Story now started. That please, all I just need is to give me 40,000 naira extra and the car will come. I said, yeah, I told you about the guy's name. I said, you don't know me. I said, the money I've given you, I've written it off. So that 40,000 you're asking for is new money, which is mine. I'm not giving you. The guy couldn't believe it. I refused. His friends called me and talked to me. I said, no. I have written off the 1.2 million. I, I, and I wasn't, I wasn't joking. No. I said, so this 40,000 you're asking me for is the money I have currently. I don't know whether you're getting the point. You want to take it? No, I'm not giving you. Make a long story short, somebody has now intervened and explained and begged. If you see the conditions I gave them, and I still didn't release the money, I had to see the car first before I gave them the extra money they were asking for. Now, why am I talking about it? Because before that time, God has so taught me that thing. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. So that money could not disturb me. Did you see this joke? Oh, man said, he said, he said, the time, he said, Dangote's wealth went down by, is it $5 billion or something? One guy said, ah, Dangote lost $5 billion and he's still breathing. If I lose 500 dollars my chest will be doing me one guy. <laughs> I didn't make money like Dangote, but I learned it from just interacting with scripture. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. God works on me in that area. Different ways. Time will not let me start giving you stories. Because of the multitude of your merchandise, you fill the midst of thee with cruelty. You turn it around. Because of the multitude of your interactions, you fill the midst of you with righteousness. As we are going about in, the, in, in, every, in the every day, what God is doing is feeding us with what? Righteousness. Let's read the scripture and then we're out of here. Second Peter chapter 1. It said from verse 2, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness 
through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, for this very reason also, applying diligence in your faith supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence supply knowledge, and your knowledge add self-control, and to that self-control add perseverance, and in perseverance add godliness, and in godliness brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness supply love. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Let us pray. Let's thank the Lord for the word that has come forth to us today.